All right, I'm going to invite you to do something for me this week and uh, in the next week. And so as a church family, uh, if you know anything about us, we are a church of three different locations, the Cannery, Hillsborough Village, and here at Marathon. Uh, and for the fall, we're going to be jumping in a series uh, through the book of Exodus. And I'm super excited about uh, kind of jumping in that with you. Um, but obviously, I told you we're going to be in John chapter 3 this morning. And you're like, why, why aren't we starting in Exodus? Well, we're going to be doing something a little bit different uh, today and then next Sunday. Um, but I'll invite you to go and listen to podcasts this week. Um, go and listen to Dave or Larkin, because uh, I don't want us to get too far behind. And so three weeks uh, from today, we're going to catch back up with them in the series. And I don't want us to be starting from ground zero. Does that sound good? You guys can go and listen to podcasts this week. Um, okay, so I want us to do two different things today. We're going to look at two different stories, uh, John chapter 3 and John chapter 5. Um, and I'm excited about what God has with us. And so let's go. Uh, John chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Page 740 if you're using one of our Bibles. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. And so here's what hit me about this conversation, this first story that we're going to be in this morning. I think this is so beautiful. Here's this guy named Nicodemus. And he's just this very, just incredibly good religious old Southern boy. Like, uh, reads his Bible, goes to church, prays the prayers, nice to people. He's heard some things about Jesus. He's seen Jesus maybe do a few things. He's on the spiritual journey. He's on this pursuit of truth. Here's what's uh, interesting about this conversation as well. Do you notice that Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night? I go, why do you approach someone at night? 2,000 years ago, so that you're not seen. So that you can hide. So that you cannot be recognized and noticed. And so I want us to see what's going on in John 3. It's so much more than just this story that happened 2,000 years. I want us to, to be in this story. So here's what, here's what hit me. is that, uh, that, that There's this man who grew up in this religious system. This religious way of, of doing life and viewing life. And yet there's something about Jesus that has stirred something deep in his heart. There's something in him that, that knows that there's more than what he's living. No, he, that there's something deep in it that knows that there's more than what he's experiencing and seeing. And so he goes to Jesus. But he goes at night. He's searching and asking questions, but he's not quite ready to be seen with Jesus, to be identified with Jesus. Maybe he knows the cost of being associated with him, what it will mean for him, his future. And he's just not quite ready for that yet. And I love this story because Jesus speaks right into his fear. He goes right to his heart. He goes right to the central issue. There's no beating around the bush. There's no small talk about the weather change. He looks at Nicodemus and, and he says, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. And he says again in verse five, he says, Nicodemus, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. And so the kingdom of God, we don't have enough time to talk about what the kingdom of God is today in the, the short amount of time we're going to try to talk about it. If you ever heard about the kingdom of God, this is the, the best, you know, one paragraph description I can give to you. It is the reign of Jesus Christ on this earth. 
It is the overthrowing and defeat of Satan and all evil and all darkness. It is forgiving sinners and setting them free. It is the eternal heavens flooding this earth. And Jesus looks at this man who is on a spiritual journey and he says, if you want to see this, if you want to enter this, you have to be born again. Now you think about this. All of us were born into this world, every single one of us. What was your role in that? Like when you were born into the world, how much did you contribute? Were you like pulling and fighting and just like gasping for air, ready to get out of your mother's womb? Like you think about this for a minute. When you were born, how much did you contribute? Was there straining and striving on your part? No. Because being born means that you're on the receiving end of someone else's struggle. It was your mother who pushed. It's your mother who endured suffering and pain, who cried out with shouts and tears. I know that's some, some vivid imagery. None of us remember that day. If you do, that's amazing. I want to talk to you. You've got an amazing memory. Probably scarred memory as well. Uh, but I think we have to understand this, that, that we do not enter the kingdom of God. We, we don't enter into the reign of Jesus Christ. We don't enter into being forgiven people. You don't start seeing Jesus and living for Jesus and walking with Jesus on our own effort. Right? You see, it is so easy for us to believe that, that we have to put in our time with God. That we have to try to prove ourselves to God, just like we do with an internship or with a job, or with our parents. Our society and our culture tells us that we have to work hard, that we have to strive, that we have to strain. And then we'll make it, we'll earn it, we'll get it, we'll achieve it. But the way into the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, is not by striving and straining. It's not by putting in our time and, and proving of, to God how serious we are, how good we are, how hardworking we are. I love what Jesus says in verse 15. He says, this is the way into the kingdom of heaven. This is the way into eternal life. That everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. And it may be the most quoted Bible verse ever. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Did you hear that? Our ears are, are so hardened sometimes. Our, 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 our seeing becomes so callous that, that we, we read verses like this that we've heard sometimes, hundreds of times, sometimes thousands of times for those of you who have been in church your whole life. Did, did you hear this? This is the best news for, for sinful people ever. Because we can never prove to God how serious we are about our relationship with him. We can never prove to God how good we are because we constantly stumble and we constantly fall. Nicodemus, a teacher of the law, a rule follower at heart, yet he knows there's something about Jesus, something about this system that he is in, this religious way of doing life there. I do something good and I get rewarded. He knows that there's something intrinsically about that that is broken. And I love what we read. It says the way into this kingdom, the way into eternal life is by believing in Jesus. 
is in trusting in Jesus. Not just here, but here. Believing and trusting in a God that loves us so much that he would have a son sent for us. And just like your mother, just like my mother who went through labor, who endured the pain and the suffering to deliver you, to deliver me, so God sent Jesus to endure the pain and the suffering. So the Father sent the Son who endured the cross and the crying and the pain and the blood. And why was that? Because God so desperately wanted to deliver you and me. To forgive us of every sin. To bring us into the glorious kingdom that he has established on earth, that he is advancing, that will go on into the next life. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe in Jesus? Do you trust in Jesus? And I love how Jesus finishes this conversation with Nicodemus in verse 21. I didn't read all this today, obviously. You go back and, and you can dig in later. I just want to hit a few things in this, this text. I love verse 21. This is where Jesus kind of finishes this conversation with him. He says, but whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. John chapter 1, verse 9, Jesus himself is called the light. And here's what I believe Jesus is saying in verse 21, that anyone who wants to really come to know the truth in this life, the truest truth in this life, will come to Jesus and will stand with him. I think it's significant that Jesus is looking to the eyes of Nicodemus as darkness surrounds them. And he looks at him and he says, if you are really committed to finding and living by and into truth, you will be identified with me. Not in the dark, not in the shadows where you have nothing to lose, but in the light where you have everything to gain. You see, I think Nicodemus and this conversation are important to us at Marathon 2,000 years later for several reasons. Here's one, um, that many of us, we, we see something about Jesus that is stirring something so deep in your hearts. Like the reason that, that some of you are here today, maybe you just think you came to, because uh, to, your friend invited you and, uh, or, or whatever the reason is. If, if you're not a follower of Jesus, the reason you find yourself here this morning. There's something that is, is stirring in Nicodemus's life. There's something that is stirring in so many of your lives about Jesus. You, you see something different in him, in your roommates, or in your spouse, or in your coworkers. You've heard of Jesus, and there's something about the, the life that you're living, the, the system that you are caught up in, the, the way that you're trying to organize and structure your life, and you just realize that there is something intrinsically broken about it. And here's what Jesus is saying to, to, to all of us, but especially to those that, that don't yet know him and follow me. He says, when, when you come to me, when you're not afraid of, of what others will think of you, when you're not afraid of, of what it's going to mean for you or what it's going to cost you, when you understand that I am what your heart and your life is looking for, when you understand that all of your life's purpose is found in me, when you believe that I was crushed to forgive all of your sins, that God's not hanging it over your head, that, that the full uh, weight of your sin was laid on Jesus so that you could be forgiven so that in this life you could experience freedom and joy and peace. When you understand that how much the father loves you that he would send his son to die for you, I go, there is no greater love than a parent's love for their child. And you see just the love of, of, of God that he has for us, that, that it's so much harder to watch your son suffer than it is to suffer yourself. 
The Father shows us the full extent of his love, that he allowed Jesus to be crushed for us. And Jesus says, if you want to, to see me, if you want to experience this full life on earth as you will in heaven, just come into the light. Be fully identified with Jesus. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Don't find yourself in, in circles or in places where, where you're ashamed of Jesus. Stand with Jesus in the light. Live with him in that place. Do you believe? Do you want to enter the kingdom of heaven? You're in a good place. You're searching. You're on a spiritual journey. I also love Nicodemus because I think it speaks to many of us who are believers. It is so easy for us to come to Jesus, to enter the kingdom, and then to become content, to coast, to become tired. And many of us, we've entered the kingdom of heaven. We've been united with Jesus. And yet we're not seeing the kingdom of God. Our heart's not beating for Jesus. It's like we have these spiritual cataracts on our eyes. And I know how life and jobs and school and kids and marriage and finances and everything else this life has to throw at us, it has this way of, of clouding our eyes. God's word to us, if this is where we find ourselves, if we're complacent or tired or stressed or burnt out, our prayer is to keep coming to God and say, God, give us more of you. Give us more of the Holy Spirit. Give us more of your love. Give us more of, uh, of your mercy. Give us more of your goodness. Give us whatever it is that you have for us. This is the first story. Man on a spiritual journey. Second story I want us to look at real quick. John chapter 5. I'm going to read these nine verses, make a few comments, and then just ask us a question, then kind of move in the rest of our teaching. So I want you to, to hear these words, John chapter five, it says, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals, starting verse two, John chapter five. Now there's in Jerusalem near the sheep gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda and which is surrounded by five covered, five covered colonnades. And here a great number of disabled people used to lie. Listen to this. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time, Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And Jesus said to him, get up, Pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. I love several things in this story that Jesus is on the way to this religious festival. And yet he's not too busy to notice the hurting. I love that Jesus sees this man and he asks about him. He inquires of a situation. He cares. There's compassion in the heart of Jesus for all people. I love that Jesus doesn't ask this man if he has faith that if Jesus can heal him. What does Jesus ask him in John chapter 5? 
Do you want to get well? You see, it's about the character, the goodness of Jesus. Let me ask you this question. Do you believe that that this Jesus is the same Jesus today? Don't give me the Bible answer. I want you to think about this. Like really in your life, when when you think about this, the God that, that you read about right now, the God that we're talking about, do you believe that he's the same God that you pray to? Is this Jesus the same Jesus? Okay. I believe that one of the things that God is doing, one of the ways that he wants to work in our church in this next season is through healing. Let me say this. It makes me really nervous to even say that. And some of you, your eyes just got big. What is this guy talking about? And I'm going to explain some of this in just a minute. But, but I believe that, that, that this is one of the ways that the Holy Spirit is wanting to work in our church. One of the ways that the Father and the Son are wanting to work in our church. I love John chapter 3, verse 8, where it says, The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going, and so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And I know this might sound crazy to some of you, and that's okay. But I have to share this. And then we get to make the decision what we're going to do in response. And I'll say this as a disclaimer. Even if this makes you a little uncomfortable, even if this idea of, of, of healing, if... If it's not what we thought God was like, if we didn't think this is what God did, I just invite you to really listen, to weigh, to discern, is this good? Is it God glorifying? And so we don't do this very much, but I think that this might be some, some things that God is trying to speak into our church. And so I just want to share a, a few things with you this morning. Uh, several months ago, a girl from our church, her name is Mary, loves Jesus so much, follows Jesus. She had a dream one night. And in her dream, she, she saw that uh, this venue, like 10 o'clock specifically, and in her dream, what she kept seeing, kept sensing was that, that God was wanting to start healing people at Marathon, start healing us, start doing what only he can do as, as we gather. She tells us that, and we're like, okay. Write that down in my prayer journal. <laughs> kind of sit on that for a while. Okay, I don't know what to do with that, God. That's, that sounds cool. Never, this whole dream thing is still really new to me in the spirit. Like, sounds, sounds like you. You healed people in, all throughout the scriptures. Why would you quit healing people today? Just kind of wrote that down, tucked it away. A couple months later, this uh, girl from our church named Helga, Helga sit right over here next to Chris Ann most weeks, and Helga just moved back to Honduras, and, and um, she kind of had this, this vision that, that, that as a family here at Marathon, that, that more and more of us are going to, to come to really know and experience Jesus as Lord, that we were going to enter into a season of of, of learning that, that life is so much more than just about showing up on Sunday, but we're going to start to understand the, the, the goodness and the power and the realness of the Holy Spirit as he works in all Christians' lives, not just some, all. 
She had this specific word for, for Andrew and I, and she said, hey, as, 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 you, as you start to see people step into to life and greater life with, with Jesus and the Holy Spirit and with the Father, she said, it's going to be your, your job to be courageous. And we're like, crap, what does that mean? You never want someone to tell you to be courageous when something easy is on the horizon. Like, so I write this down, put it away. Go have coffee with my sister, Laura. About a month and a half ago, her and her husband, Mike, just incredible people, our church family. And we're sitting down having coffee and she is just, just lighting my heart on fire. One of these lines that she said to me, she said, Brandon, the Lord is wanting to set all people free. Lead our people there. I'm like, God, what are you doing? Like, I didn't know you work like this, God. It is clear that you're trying to speak into to my ears, and the reality is that I'm so hard at hearing. I need you to keep speaking louder because I don't know what you're saying. We were on vacation about a month ago. I know this sounds crazy to some of you, and that's okay. Just hang with me. Keep listening. In the middle of the night, I just had this dream. And in my dream, the, the only word that I saw was the word healing. And I woke up and I was just kind of writing this down and trying to f- discern and think through what, uh, what I was hearing and seeing. And, and I felt like what the Lord was saying is um, that we were supposed to hold a healing service, a marathon. And I'm like, what? I've been a Christian for 31 years. I've never been a part of a healing service ever. In fact, that scares me because the only thing I've ever seen is on TV where it just seems to be really weird and very showy and and the more I just thought about it, I came back and shared with our team and I'm going, guys, what do we do with this? <laughs> like, is, is this the Lord speaking to us? Like, is this part of the way that, that God still interacts with us, that, that he speaks through people and through dreams? I mean, this is what he says in Joel chapter two and Acts chapter two, that, that, you're gonna, that young men and young women and old men and old women are gonna see dreams and have visions. And I'm going, God, is, is this what you're trying to do in our church family? Are you wanting to, to start healing us? Like, are you wanting us to, to claim this by faith as your sons and daughters that you are still a God who heals? Like, if this is what you want for us, we're going to go there, God. I've sensed the past kind of month and a half that as God's kind of been taking me on this journey, our team on this journey for the sake of our church, that God has been taking me personally on this same journey. And this sounds so funny. And I look at the room and so many people, you guys, I just know so dearly and have known me for a long time. Uh, The Lord has been putting on my heart to lay my hands on people and just pray for them, that God would heal them. So I just want to share a few stories of what I've been experiencing the past month and a half. We were at the beach, one of my favorite places to go in the whole world. And, uh, all of a sudden, I hear this, this woman screaming, help, help. And she's waving her hand, and it's about 50 yards out in the water, and that's not very far, you know, in the ocean, but there was this strong riptide all week. In fact, there had been double red flags. People weren't supposed to be in the water. This guy gets sucked out there. This lifeguard, like a boss, just swims out there and, and, and brings him in. I take like 10 steps out, and I'm like, I'm just going to die. I don't know what I'm doing. I just, I need to let people do what they do, and 
And so, you know, they pull, he pulls this guy up on shore. He's about a 60 year old man and he's just blue and purple. People are calling the EMTs. They're going, is there, are there nurses? There are doctors here? And so people who are on vacation, who are in the medical field, they rush to him and they're doing whatever they can. They don't have any of their tools. They don't have any, they're just sitting there. And I'm standing there watching this guy um, huff and puff and blue. And I literally just feel God say, Brandon, go lay your hands on him and pray for him. And I'm like, God, these are strangers. Like... And I stayed there. We just kind of had this dialogue in my head for about five minutes. And finally, I work up the courage. And I just go and ask his wife, hey, would it be okay if I just lay my hands on him and pray? She's like, yeah, I think he'd like that. So I kneel down on the beach. And as soon as I do, I lay my hands on him. Two other girls, they come put their hands on my shoulder. They're like, I went in on that. We're going to pray with you. And it's just very encouraging, very cool. And I just start praying. And I don't know anything medically. My wife's a medical person. I don't know anything medical. But I just feel I'm supposed to start praying that that water wouldn't be in his lungs. I know that's not a good thing, right? Like, so I'm just in there praying on the beach. Like, God, don't let there be water in his lungs. Don't let there be water. Like, just please, just take the water out of his lungs. Let this guy live. Take water out of his lungs. And I kid you not, five minutes later, the EMTs show up. They hook him up to their little machines. I don't even know what it was, but they're listening to all the things. And I hear the EMT say out loud, there's no water in his lungs. And I'm like, okay, like. I watch as, you know, I 10 minutes later, this guy stands up by his own power, walks off the beach. And I'm like, what just happened? Think about last week. My brother-in-law, he's a CrossFit trainer. He hurt his back working out. Didn't know this. I was driving over their house. Sometimes we'll put the kids to bed and I'll go over there to exercise. And I'm He's usually teaching class at night and I pull in their driveway and I notice that his car is there. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Starting to stretch and that stuff. My sister-in-law pulls up. I'm like, hey, what are you guys doing here? I thought y'all had class. And she said, oh, Seth hurt his back. And I'm like, okay. So Seth comes wobbling outside and he can't stand up straight. He's like literally walking like this. And I'm like, what happened? He's like, I just hurt my back working out. And I'm like, okay. I know this is weird. Can I pray for you? It shouldn't be weird, but it is, right? It's always hardest with your family. I'm like, can I just put my hand on your back and pray for you? He's like, yeah. So my dad just prayed for me. I'd love for you to. Put my hand on his back and I just feel like I'm supposed to ask him, do you believe that Jesus can heal you? He said, yeah. Put my hand on his back. Pray. How is it? He said, it's completely gone. I'm like, what do you mean it's completely gone? He's like, there's no pain. He's like walking around. He's like standing up straight. He's like doing this. He's like, is it weird that I'm waiting for the pain to come back? He's like freaked out. He's like, have you ever seen this before? I'm like, no, I've never seen this before. Like I've seen God heal. And he's like, what just happened? And my sister-in-law goes, God just healed you. And, and she says, do an air squat. And he does a squat. And, and, <laughs> and uh, he's, like, he's like, I couldn't get off the couch a few minutes ago. And I'm just like, bro, you're going to have to figure out what you're going to tell your coworkers tomorrow morning when you go to the gym because they all know that you hurt your back. And I know there are people there that are not believers and those, there are believers there and they don't believe in this. And you're going to have to tell them that God healed you. Just better. God healed him instantly. Driving back to my house, 
um, we've become friends with some of our neighbors recently and um, I'm just kind of a curious, maybe nosy is a better word for what I am, person. And um, I, I noticed that um, his work truck wasn't in his driveway anymore. And so, you know, Finley and Jones and I go over there. I think Court was doing something that night. And we walk over there. And I'm just asking about what's going on. And I realize that he's having to file for disability, that he's having just, just severe pain in his hands and his feet. And he can't really walk anymore. Can't do his job. We learned this several weeks ago. And so I'm leaving Seth's house. It's 8.30 at night last Wednesday. And I just, I sense that, that God just wants me to go lay my hands on my next door neighbor and pray for him. And I'm like, God, it's 8.30 at night. We've never talked about you. Like, this is gonna be weird, but okay. Like, so pull in their driveway. You know, they're sitting out in the garage watching football or something. And uh, kind of spooked them, obviously. And uh, walk in and they're like, hey, what are you doing here? I said, I think I'm supposed to pray for you. They're like, Okay, and I said, yeah. And so I walk in and I just, I literally just asked them, hey, do you, do you believe in Jesus? They're like, yeah, we believe in Jesus. And I'm like, have you given your life to him? And they're like, no. I'm like, okay, cool. I said, well, I think God just wanted me to, to come pray for you. And, and, you know, he's this older gentleman. He's sitting there with his kind of leg crossed, his, his foot over his knee, and he's kind of rubbing his foot. And I could tell that he's in pain. And I said, would it be okay if I just put my hands on your foot? And he's like, oh, that'd be weird. And I'm like, I, I know. And, and his wife's like, no, you put your hands on his feet. And so I put my hands on his foot and, and I pray and, and I get done praying and my next door neighbor, the, the wife prays. And she says, Lord, this morning you told me to believe. And this morning you send a friend. So she gets done praying and I just ask, how's the pain? He's like, it's better. I'm like, what do you mean better? On a scale of one to 10, what was it before? He said, it was a 12. I'm like, what is it right now? He's like, it's a three. And I'm like, okay, let's pray again. I don't think that, I don't think God wants you to have a three pain. I don't think, I think he wants it gone. Like, let's pray. And so I lay my hands on his foot again and pray. How is it? It's completely gone. You're telling me that your pain is completely gone from your foot and all we did was pray. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and I came home and I'm, you know, court's waiting for me on the couch and I'm just like smiling ear to ear like, you're not gonna believe what just happened and it didn't involve pull-ups. Like it was, a, it was an, an amazing, amazing night and, and I believe that God is, is wanting to work through our church to heal people, okay? Physically and spiritually. I know this is a lot to process, a lot to digest. I, in fact, I keep reminding myself of these words the words that Mary and Helga and Laura, I keep going back and reading them in my journal. I keep replaying last Wednesday. I keep replaying that scene on the beach and I'm going, man, uh, for those of you who know me, you know that I'm not lying. You know that I'm not just making up stories. I'm telling you the truth as your brother <laughs> that our God still heals. I know this is uncomfortable, foreign to some of us, maybe all of us. But I'll say this, none of us understand the wind either and how it works, why it works, but we believe. And so for those of you who are really wrestling with this, you're trying to figure out if you believe, I just encourage you this week to ask two questions. The first is this, is this idea that, that God would want to heal us and, and work in our midst to start healing our city and our nation, our country, whoever it is that he wants to heal. Do, is it God glorifying and good? If you're wrestling with this, first question I want you to think about, is it God glorifying and good? And the second question is, is, what is it that is making you uncomfortable? 
And it's okay if you're uncomfortable with this. Is it your background? Is it what others will think? Is it what your parents are going to think? Is it because this is new? And, and it's okay. I just, there's so much about us. If we can identify why we're uncomfortable, it helps us. I'd encourage you to read Gospel of John, chapter 4 through 9, talks about healing. Read 1 Corinthians 12. And before you, you start asking your friends and your buddies and other people, I, I really encourage you to, to think and to pray and to press into the Lord. Listen to the Lord first. And then for those of you who aren't wrestling with this, I want to invite us to do something. So next Sunday, it's going to be like uh, any other Sunday in a lot of ways. We're going to have worship. We're going to have a time of teaching. We're going to take communion. And then after teaching, we're going to have a time where we're going to have just people spread out around the room. And we're just going to pray and ask God to do what only God can do. So here's what I'm asking of you, that you would pray this week, that you would pray for God to put people on your mind that you need to invite next week, people that are sick, maybe it's family or friend or a neighbor, to pray that that next Sunday, whatever happens, it is all for the sake of Jesus and his kingdom and not so that we are known or so that we are some, that it's all about him. First thing I invite you to do is pray. And the second thing I'm going to invite you to be courageous and to invite friends and family and people that you know who are in need of healing. And we'll see what God does. We'll see what God does. So here in just a minute, um, Noah and Amanda are going to get back up and lead us in a time of worship. We're going to take communion. And if you come here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, but, but you want to enter the kingdom, you want to be associated with Jesus, you can come to the respond banner in the back and there'll be some men and women in the back who'd love to talk to you and help you. If you're a follower of Jesus and, and you want the cataracts gone, you realize you've just kind of been coasting and drifting through this life, pray with the people that you came with. You can come to the back and people that would love to pray with you. The respond banner. That God would just give you more of himself. And if you're already thinking about next week, start praying that God would put people on your mind. All right. I love you all so much. Let's pray and we'll take communion. God, thank you for today. Thank you for these men and women and these children. Thank you that you have created them in your image, that you love them, that you love us. God, I pray that you'll open our eyes and our ears as we break the bread, as we drink the cup to see you, to believe. Would you, for those that you are calling to you right now, um, let them come fully to you, to be fully identified with you, Jesus. We love you, God. We love you, Father and Son and Spirit. Thank you for who you are and all that you've done. In your name we pray, amen.